Welcome to Donne Talks, provided to you by Donne, Women in Music. I am your host, Gabriella Di Latiu, and in every episode I interview guests who are amplifying change, people who are using their voices and their positions to create bigger impact in our society. Today's guest is Elizabeth De Brito. Elizabeth is a curator, storyteller, presenter, researcher, activist, and the producer of The Daffodil Perspective, the first ever gender-balanced, racially equitable, and inclusive radio show in the world. One of the things that's a huge, huge, huge problem is that you can't be what you can't see, and there are so many children not seeing themselves represented, that is a huge problem. If you don't see yourself represented, I mean, you don't think, oh, I can be this. If you don't see black classical singers, if you don't see Chinese classical singers, you don't think, I can do this too. Welcome, Elizabeth. How are you, first of all? I'm fine, thank you. Yeah, this is as good as can be expected. <laughs> Difficult mm. times. Hello, yeah. amazing life we are living at the moment behind screens. Mm, yeah. Thank you for making the time to be here. This has been a long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been talking about pages, but yeah, both busy. <laughs> for yeah. ages. Anyway, welcome. Yeah. And it would be super wonderful to hear about your show, which is the main reason um, <laughs> we want to have this conversation so more people can hear about your amazing show. But before we start, I just wanted to start talk uh, if you could tell us about your how music entered your life in the first I mean how did it start um how did it start <laughs> um, I, I don't even know how it started um it started when I was really little I can take the first four albums I ever listened to I know this um Benny Goodman's King of Swing ABBA Arrival Pergolese Starbuck Marta and the Gypsy Kings so wow. yes and the whole range of music all in one yeah I was never going to listen to one genre that was just never going to happen um but yeah that's pretty much I mean that's how it began but yeah I started playing the piano when I was seven and the clarinet when I was 10. And did you ever consider a career as a musician? Uh, yes um I always sort of wanted to do but I was never encouraged to do it and I didn't really have any supportive uh, teachers or parents or uh, anyone in my life and I'm I'm mixed race and I was in a school with only white people so it was um never really gonna happen I don't think um, but that's, so, yeah. that's really awful you know do you think this still happens today absolutely unfortunately yeah there's so so many people who feel marginalized in the UK and so many people who are not encouraged <clears throat> even though they've got so much talent um and they don't necessarily know yeah they don't necessarily know how to talk to them and they're just not noticed unless they're you know really loud or I mean extroverted often people don't get noticed and I think I think it's difficult um I think it's very difficult today I think it's it's not as bad as when I was a child because you know that's you know 20 20 25 years later there is progress being made um yeah so I'm, I'm sure you also you would depends on on the teacher sometimes you can find some teachers who will be a bit more open-minded and who have but I think it, it, it can't be like an exception it needs to be something that happens all the time you know you need to be inclusive and pay attention to I don't know I grew up in Brazil so growing up in Brazil I spent most of my life in Brazil but 
I find uh, I find myself very lucky, I, I guess, because you you're born in, in such a mixed, cultured environment from a very young age. So I find this really good. So I, I you know my my grandmother was uh, indigenous. Uh, so we grew up with that part of the family and mm -hmm. I, even though it, but you know it was a third world country so you don't necessarily encourage people to become classical musicians either so it was pretty much a, a fight that I had to do it on my own uh, in, in for different reasons because we were far away from so many things in the classical music world I guess as a classical singer but I do it, it, it does really hurt me to imagine uh, for example, you or any other kids right now with talent and not being able to channel that. Uh, yeah, um, and I think uh, what, one of the things that's a huge, huge, huge problem is that you can't be what you can't see. And there are so many children not seeing themselves represented. That is a huge problem. If you don't see yourself represented, I mean, you don't think, oh, I can be this. If you don't see black classical singers, if you don't see... Chinese classical singers you don't think I can do this too um and that's something that I never had I never had any black any mixed race role models to look up to even though there are so many amazing black female composers and mixed race female composers and musicians and singers and people that I'm deeply deeply in awe of now these are people that I've only found out about in the past three years um so it's not it's something that I really want to change and I really want to do really want well, to you are, you are changing already you are <laughs> doing, officially doing something um, <laughs> all we can do I guess and uh, you know and encourage more people to do something similar or to at least be more curious and uh, so you had this moment in your life with classical music and then classical music left your life and then it came back to your life yeah, basically, yes. I studied classical music growing up and then I was sick of it. Well, I left it for all, all kinds of reasons, lots and lots of different reasons, um, including the racism and sexism and classism and elitism, uh, but other reasons. So I left it behind. And then I, the story is, yes, I heard Florence Price and that brought me back to life. And I've already written articles about her, so I won't go on about how many No, 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 you're, you're gonna, you're gonna have to because not everybody read your articles. Not, I don't know who is gonna listen to this. This might be 2053 when people are still listening to this podcast, so we hope. So um, let's go back, what, 2017, 18? 18 uh yes um so and she, she she wasn't the first black female composer i heard she was the first black female composer i heard uh yes uh women of the world festival 2018 the final showcase curated by the legend that sandy toxvig i heard elizabeth lutchin's overture to on voyage for the first time and i was just completely blown away and i immediately went searching for all these brilliant female composers and as soon as I heard about female composers, like, okay, these are all white female composers. There's got to be a black woman, right? And I immediately found Florence Price, and her symphony in E minor was was absolutely life changing for me. It was just like being whole for the first time. It was it, just everything to me. Um, just hearing, it was like it was like finally my I felt I finally felt inconsonant. I didn't felt feel in dissonant with my the two sides of my identity you know the fact because I have a white father and I'm 
a mixed race mother um and it was like being whole it was like I didn't have to choose I didn't have to make a decision I could just be me and that's what her music is like it's just exactly kind of showing all these different facets of her heritage her experience which is the thing for me and it was just it was just lightning bolt it was just absolutely incredible and the music is just it's just perfect yeah. for me it's the most wonderful piece of classical music in the world if anyone would like uh, to know her favorite now it, it is <laughs> there it was so i think there was um Tell me about your journey, because when I, uh, I came across thousands of women composers uh, around 2016-17, I'm describing you my journey, which was, oh my God, I'm ignorant. I'm ignorant. I, I'd never learned this thing. I was so embarrassed. I thought I missed a special class at the Royal College or whatever, or uh, many of them. And then I started chatting with people, and then I started to think, to realize oh, that person doesn't know, that conductor doesn't know, my colleague this, that, no. and then you realize that not many people, actually, very few people, um, a very small number of people of the, all the connoisseurs of classical music, you know, journalists, broadcasters, uh, radio stations, presenters, and musicians and conductors. And then, of course, I got super angry for the same reason you probably did as well, because you wanted to hear about Florence Price when you were 11. You know, I also wanted to hear about all these women, you know, Chiquinha Gonzaga. And I'm Brazilian. The only reason I heard of Chiquinha Gonzaga was because, thank God, in the 90s, um, Uh, the main television did like a mini soap opera series about I've heard of that love yeah. it mm. and and then this woman became super famous and then everybody who was singing the little march she wrote for carnival and we all sung since we were kids we were never told it was written by a woman ever we would never <laughs> imagine a woman being in a, 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 the writer of a samba theme that was so popular yeah. so you know you, you start hearing these stories and I think for me I know for you was her music but for me what made me so angry was why were I, was I not told these stories I get goosebumps just thinking about because as a kid I was dreaming about stories like that my mom would tell me like what Isaac Newton Einstein, I had Mozart and Beethoven, and okay, fine, they were great. And then I, I like, yeah, at least Beethoven was almost deaf. And I was like, okay, he maybe, because Mozart was Mozart, you know, okay, he was born like that. What can I do? And nothing. So I was angry with the lack of these stories in my life. Tell me about you. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly the same. I was absolutely furious. I was, I was completely living like, oh, generally just thinking, how could I possibly have gone 30 years and never have known any of these women? And they were just like, oh, they're just everywhere. And then I started researching them, and you just see how much impact they had, how much influence. Like you say, Chiquinha Gonzaga, she basically invented Carnival, right? She made it what it was. The Brazilian. National Music Day is her birthday. She basically, Musica Popular Brazil started with her. And it's like, how can, how are we not telling these stories? These were important stories. Um, and so much of their music and their lives are just completely hidden. And every time women accomplished anything, it was just washed away. Um, 
and it's just infuriating how and not like this was sort of you know just a few of them but there were thousands of them there have been literally hundreds and thousands ever since and I mean we're just talking about classical music here but yeah. so we're just sort of like the fast sort of like four centuries well yeah longer than that Hildegard, Hildegard von Bingen 12th century we love her um so yeah it was just infuriating how none of these stories are told and none of them and also how many other stories we will never find out I think that mm. for me is also what hurts the most because these are the ones who managed to survive somehow. And mm -hmm. how about there's so many others, isn't it? I was the other day I was reading about, um, I was doing a short video actually about uh, Alicia Adelaide Needham, who was the first woman to conduct at the Royal Albert Hall. And I actually didn't know that the only reason her story came to life was because her son became a famous biologist, something, a scientist, really famous. And when he died, the papers, his papers were donated to uh, the University of Bath and then Cambridge. And it was because of him that they found her music, well, what, 100 years later, 50 years later? So it's, it's, it's kind of, it just makes you so sad. Well, I think that was something uh, in the water in 2018, because then I started Donne on Women's International Day. On the same year, you started <laughs> your amazing radio show. And if you don't know, so it's the Daffodil Perspective. It's an online classical radio show. It started as gender balanced, but it's much more now, isn't it? Yeah. Racially equitable, inclusive, 58 50% female composers on every single show, uh, you were going to tell us more. So you got all this anger packed, as I did, and you did something about it, which is amazing. So tell everybody listening, what is it that the Daffodil Perspective means to you? How did it start it? And what does it do? Yeah, so like um, Gabriella said, yeah, it's that I, I produce a Daffodil Perspective classical radio show. Uh, it started in 2018, uh, November 2018, after I'd been researching all these brilliant women and getting very angry about all their stories, I really wanted to do something. I was in a position to, you know, change it. And I thought, how can I champion them in some way? And I already had done radio and I really loved radio as a medium. And I thought, yes, I can do a radio show and I can do it online. So let's do it. And I sort of, it's, it's, as she says, yes, it started being gender balanced because that was how it started and how I wanted it to start. It was about championing women. And since then it has evolved, especially as I thought more about my identity as a mixed race woman in the UK, what I want to say, who am I and who do I want to represent and what am I trying to say? And it's basically, it's, and so it's sort of gradually evolved into a I got yeah gender balanced inclusive radio racially equitable radio show basically the tagline is creating a space for everyone to belong and that's what it does or it is that's the purpose of it so it's 50% women um 25% male composers of color at least um so and I make sure that and the 50% women includes 50% women of colour and so black black composers on every show, Asian composers on every show, Latinx composers, Indigenous composers, as much variety and as much diversity as possible and creating a kind of very inclusive space. And, and uh, Correct me if I'm wrong because I'm, I'm sure people will be thinking oh it must be so so hard to find music. 
no it's not is it? <laughs> the trouble is there's just too much of it <laughs> yeah i go through every i think it's gonna be i'm trying to think of i'm trying to i think i'm gonna start daftal perspective bingo things i say every week i've been meaning to play this for months i say this on every single show i've been wanting to play this piece for ages and then someone says to me the music and i just don't have time to play it all to be fair it's it's only a 90 minute show um twice a month so yes yeah no it's impossible it's impossible i can't imagine what you have to go through no yeah it's like me at the moment we're creating the 10 composers 10 new composers per month for scala radio and i always go oh my god how can i pick 10 well 10 who had never played there before of course but still you know what people don't realize is so much good music out there is a whole world Absolutely. And the more, one of the things that we sort of didn't mention, what was so frustrating about how, you know, it's so there's this, there's this horrible, the one thing that I knew about female composers before was this horrific spectator article from 2015, which basically says that all women composers are inferior and that Clara Schumann just traded off her name and all kinds of things. And oh my God, I missed that one. <laughs> yeah, be pleased, be pleased. Um, and so yes, yeah, so we have this canon that just all dead white male composers and they're very they're very good, although some may not be as absolutely brilliant as we're made to think. Um, but yes, yeah, so we have this canon that we've known that's just white men, but the, all this means by women and it's good and it's better in so many cases, and there's just so much brilliant stuff out there. So it is about kind of I'm going to be the devil's advocate here just because people ask me this question so I can ask you that today and then you can be in a difficult position. So uh, how about the, the quality argument, right? Because isn't it, if the music was good, it would have survived. So what's your opinion about that? Well, that's just rubbish, basically. We've lived in a society that is very patriarchal, very sexist for so many centuries that is not... It doesn't make sense that only white men wrote classical music. It doesn't make sense that only white men are scientists. If you look at it, there are 50, women make up 50% of the world and we're obviously not including trans, non-binary and other gender identities, right? So it doesn't make sense that only white men, who make up like 10% of the population of the world only wrote music. So that's just ridiculous. Yeah, we should, people should just apply logic to it. But isn't it funny that um, we, even ourselves, I am a woman and I've been through concerts all my life and music is my career and I love music and I never see myself as uh, anything else but a feminist, a supporter of women. Uh, of course I am not racist, of course I'm not sexist, of course I'm not. But until, what, 2015, 16, it never occurred to me to do something about it or to question so that for me is, I was, I think that's why now it's impossible for me not to, you know, put women forward and nobody's excluding uh, mm -hmm. composers of, of the list. It's not a this or that. You can listen to as many as you can. But how come for a majority part of my life, I never really questioned? And this scared me. And I think that's why uh, when people say, oh, yeah, but uh, enough women, but no, not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough because if we are not careful, history will repeat itself. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it, you have the Women International Day or Black Lives Matter and you have these things that happen and people all engage and then 
it disappears. So it's very dangerous if we do not kind of be annoying every day, <laughs> isn't it? Because yeah. It might happen again. Mm. Well, this is the thing. It has been happening because, well, I mean, but there's always been, I'm actually having an interesting article coming out in a few weeks about this. Um, but yeah, it, it, because we, yeah, there's been always a push for women's music. The Society of American Women Composers was founded in 1911. Uh, so, uh, sorry, no, the Br Society of British Women Composers was founded in 1911. I can't remember which. Anyway, I just did that show talking a about- A while that. ago. A while ago, yeah. They were founded a while ago. Women in Music UK was founded in the 70s by Odalinda and Martinez. Um, Archive for Music in Germany was founded in 1979. So these are not new things, you know. Women have been pushing for equality for, for decades, centuries, suffragettes, everything. But we're so, I think it's like you say, we don't even question it because it's so conditioned that these are the only things and it's not. And I think it's also a product of our the way we t we're taught that this is, we're taught how to think. We're taught what to think, you know, instead of how to think objectively and have opinions of our own about this. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's something that I've kind of struggled, I've struggled with a lot because the, all these sort of these ideologies of this music is perfect and this music is brilliant it's been forced onto me and I've just and one of the things that I sort of reacted against that because it's just somehow it just doesn't fit and then in, you look and since I've been doing the show for three it's like it doesn't make sense it's like why are they so obsessive with it and that is why I've, and now I've been able to come to the conclusion you know what some of this music I like and some of this music I don't and that's okay and it's not because it's bad it's not because it's good it's just my subjective taste and that's fine um, of course because there's also this this imposed idea of people defining what's good music or what's great music isn't it and you know this is what is great for you might not be great for me or it depends on so many things anyway it depends on our personal taste it depends on our culture where we lived or things we we listen to and i think we we do have there's a lot in classical music. We, we are imposed these geniuses. Not that they were not geniuses. I mean, I respect them all, but, you know, I think it's time for uh, to open the gates. But do you think things are changing? Um, I think, I think about quite, I think changing enough and will it last because things do change. But as we've seen these things, there's a lot, a lot of pushes and across history, but then it then fades away. So I think the important thing is making that sure that these changes stick. Um, and I think that needs a fundamental change in our, our way of thinking. So one of the things I've noticed with people, they keep saying, oh, let's highlight women. Let's highlight, let's highlight black composers. This doesn't work. You highlight composers on one, women on one day, yeah, International Women's Day, and then don't include them the rest of the year. That's not equity. That's not inclusion. The, you need to have to consider including women on all your programming all year round. And then the more you do that, the more you get used to this way of thinking because you've been, ex people who've been excluding women their entire lives, whether this conscious or unconscious bias, they're not, we're not used to this thinking. This is why I have such strict quotas on the daffodil perspective. This is why I'm so strict about having 50% because I, it's taken a lot of effort to overcome the, these ideologies of exclusion, you know? Um, 
And that's why I think it's so important to just, you know, be in the deep end and have, make sure you include them in every piece of content, you know, every show, every concert, every playlist. Then the more we get used to hearing it, the more we get used to talking about women, the more it's not, it's not unusual. It's not like, oh, well, we're just playing them because they're women and we're just playing it because she was the wife of someone or something you know we're getting used to them as to, and talking about them you know as people not just oh they're female composers yeah we don't call them male composers to be <laughs> no we really should we start start mainly yes male composers somebody I, I saw somebody <laughs> did a concert male composers concert it was so funny I, I saw it on facebook a while ago if you're enjoying this podcast there are three simple things you can do to support our work first subscribe this way you will never miss an episode second Tell about us to a friend or a family member. You always have someone to share the stories of this interview. Third, give us a review on iTunes or whatever other channel you subscribe. This way, you will be helping others to find our podcast. Have you ever tried contacting other radio stations and offering your your uh, amazing database of curating programming <laughs> i need to it's on my list when i produce the stats for the second show, season of the show second year of the show which i'm doing i'll be contacting uh uh radio stations uh but yes uh yes i've had uh yeah so far not had any interest uh, well but, uh, and that's really that is something that fascinates me in, in a bad uh, way because you know uh, it, it's like you have people guarding the gates isn't it because the audience they are not even uh, being given the chance to decide if they like it or not because mm. majority of people actually unless, because you need to look for this music if you if you want to hear it right? mm. either your show or you can now it's so much easier spotify youtube but you will find but if you're listening to radio station if you're listening to your regular radio station it would be much easier if these pieces were played regularly if you're going to your local orchestra your favorite group you know it would be much better absolutely it would be much better if this music was part of programs because then it can you know because every time i present uh, a music by women in a concert and it's never known by the public it's very very rare people will mm. know especially when i do baroque music um, i always have people coming at the end uh saying wonderful things because it will they love the story they love the oh, i didn't know so i don't know why um you know orchestras all out all over the world are not doing that what why do you think have you come across anyone who gave you a proper explanation about uh, proper explanations no um explanations yes there's been so i mean there's so many people argue that audiences know like what they know and they want to hear they want to hear mozart and they want to hear beethoven and that's it and that's why they have 20% of Mozart and Beethoven on programs but you know yeah, but if they are already playing Beethoven and Mozart they could play another piece yeah you're playing 10 people are there already do, do you really need to play 10% of Mozart every single season surely just like 2% it would be be fine even five percent you know then you could you know fit in louise Ferronk and margaret bonds um, yeah. and gabriella lena frank and wg still you know um and yeah. i think it's 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 catering more to a wider base of people because it's 
not what interests me if, if honestly i'm not going to go to a concert that has mozart or beethoven on the program i'm just not i don't like mozart i don't like beethoven i know everyone listening is going to be horrendous but again i've already written something about no. that i really don't um and the fact is like i say I've, apart from anything else i've i spent ten, the first 10 years of my life listening to them listening to nothing but those same composers so i want to listen to some other different stuff and i think a lot of audience members would engage more especially contemporary music um so i think yeah it's came to a wider base of people are saying oh yes but our audiences just want to like that especially when audiences for classical music are going down little by little all the time saying well that audiences like it well it's like okay but your audience is shrinking mm -hmm. the classical music audiences is aging and it's shrinking because not enough people want to hear this stuff and yes you will still have the same people that go and see the Eroica Symphony, because they like it, but then you can also program Emily Mayer. Yeah, definitely. That, that I don't get, the this logic that people don't follow. Listen to us. <laughs> now, uh, you mentioned at the beginning uh, that your love for music was all across the genres, which is wonderful. And now uh, when you're talking about uh, contemporary classical music as well, it's really funny because I find, I, I love pop music. I know I grew up in Brazil, so I, I grew up, the first music I heard was the Brazilian popular music. And so I'm always, and I find really um, interesting that pop music is much more open to new things. You know, they're always, what's new, what's new, what's new? And mm -hmm. then they, they seem to love the crossing boundaries. Oh yes, you know, you have a bit of classical music in <laughs> pop music and then a bit of jazz and then, and, somehow classical music used to be like that i like to imagine you know when you know centuries and centuries there was always people trying to do uh, new things but it feels to me now it's it's a little bit it's going backwards isn't it oh completely absolutely what's hysterical there's an article in the new york times from 1975 which says exactly the same thing that music from contemporary music is not being performed and we're celebrating dead composers so 45 years later it's the same thing absolutely it's something which i get really frustrated and again i've written an article about this the fact that pop really celebrates the new and is able to embrace you know yeah. new music all the time and create hit because you know at some point there, there was a point when no one knew uptown funk and then it was played all the time everywhere and now it's a complete classic and everybody knows it whether you like it or not and classical music really it has a real problem with that and so many people i've spoken to say if you get a contemporary piece performed more than once that's incredible yeah. and we really need to not we really need to move away from this and there's all these naysayers that say, oh, but we can't cancel, we can't forget Beethoven, we can't cancel Beethoven. No one's saying, no one has ever suggested that. No one, at least of all me, would ever suggest that, you know? But just like you say, no. if you're playing 10% Beethoven, you can play 1%, you can play some Beethoven, and you can make sure that we keep, keep the contemporary music alive. Because what we're doing is we're keeping the dead music alive and killing off all this new music. And we we could there are so many brilliant contemporary pieces. Um, but you need repetition. It's exactly. not just playing it once. 
um, however good it may be. But if if something like Strum by Jesse Montgomery was played all the time, it would be classic because it's so good. Or Air Reality by Anathel Valls de Tear, which I'm completely obsessed about. Um, there's so many good pieces, but yeah, you just need to keep playing them by the same obsessiveness that we program Mozart Symphony Number no. 40 or something. Yeah. We should be doing that to Errol Mullen or Nico Mooley or... Yeah, because exactly as you said, people don't realize that contemporary music sometimes a lot of them is written on commission or composers write hoping that people will play the music and it's exactly that it has its premiere and sometimes the composer is lucky they do a recording and I think then it's, it's better but if you just have a premiere uh, it was 2018 when I first heard of Betty Rowe because of the project because I was listing all the thousands of women um, by by hand on the website mm -hmm. and and luckily I had a chance to do a concert and do an homage to her as part of the Royal Academy women of the Royal Academy because I discovered uh, and when I went to her house and she turned 90 this year Betty Rowe people oh, wow. 90 yes, old a a, you know <laughs> a lady that you should know um amazing sense of humor amazing talent you know she still plays the piano improvises on all her favorite jazz songs and she has hundreds of pieces um which were played once many of them she wrote mini operas she's amazing with lyrics so she 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 really knows how to you know for art songs and for singers it's fantastic because I think it's her favorite um, genre, but she wrote for many other formations and uh, she has an amazing, amazing year and, and the vision of the music. And I don't think people play her music much, you know, even singers who will be the ones who should be singing her song. And I was really upset this year was because it was her 90th and I made a big thing on Twitter hoping people would yeah, kind of just died. So people listening, Betty Rowe, you know, should be a dame, wonderful uh, British composer. Yeah, well, this is one of the things. This is why I, I made a commitment to only to play it, the famous Dead White Male composers, the famous canon composers, a maximum of three times in a year. So that leaves lots of space for as much music as possible. And there's a few there's a few female composers that I've played more than three times. Florence Price. <laughs> um, although this past year I've been really good. This past year I yeah since June last year I've, I've played tons of other brilliant black female composers. But yes, I think yeah maximum of three a year. And this is a radio show, so it's like ninety minutes. So I've done 20, 24 shows. Um, so yeah, a maximum of three times a year. But to be honest, I think that's a reasonable. I think that's a good goal for orchestral seasons and ensemble seasons. Yeah, so probably if the majority the, the majority of the pieces, if you played, there is a score for it because it has been recorded, right? Mm -hmm. So that's a good, there's no excuses like, oh, the music is very difficult to find because that's another excuse, of course. Yeah, uh, especially with black women. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not, if I'm playing it on the, my radio show, it's not difficult to find because I managed to find it. Okay, I'm not that good with computers, people. I'm not <laughs> but I can research. I can research. No, but, but yes. also, also if, if 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 an orchestra recorded, it means they have the scores because sometimes people say, "Oh, the scores are very difficult to find." No, no. I think I think it has the is the music has been re recorded. There's a good chance there are good parts for the orchestra. So, mm. another tip for the people listening. <laughs> Mm. I think though, I mean, I'm not playing Deborah because I think sometimes it is 
such a minefield because the internet it is it is a brilliant it is an eighth wonder it is fantastic however searching for things can get very difficult and going past like going past the first page of google <laughs> it's not done so yeah if you're trying to search for some of this especially when so many uh institutions not mentioning any names but certain very big british uh radio stations and other organizations tend to use clickbait a lot so their articles always come up on the first page of google searches so they're always the first things you see but all the people who are doing all the really interesting stuff that have all these amazing resources for women and male composers of color and all kinds of other stuff often don't get seen so it is it can be difficult it's it is definitely an excuse that shouldn't be there and i think people are just kind of put off by doing the work and it's like oh my god it's really difficult to find so hire a repertoire consultant hire me yes. i've already done the work it it's really difficult there's a lot of research to be done i enjoyed it but that's just me so yeah hire someone hire me in, who's done all the heavy lifting and can show you look this is what's available this is where to find this stuff these are some names that are really good and then you've got a boundary and then you can say oh, okay now i know who emily mayer is now i know who louise reichardt is now i can check out other stuff and i know all these different sites instead of just having this whole like labyrinth yes to work from but you know. i think it was nicola lefano who said to me uh i mean it's really true that sometimes I think uh, we have a series of problems why things happen. Of course, we have the, we don't receive the proper education about, uh, you know, diversity in the history of music anyway. So pe even people like me and you who are interested, we grow up not knowing, and that's mm -hmm. quite scary. Uh, and then you have the racists, let's leave them alone because that's not worth it talking to <laughs> them or about them. But then you have the third group, which I find, uh, which is also difficult, which are the people who believe they already know everything. And those are the ones which I find most difficult to convince because, of course, I already know or they either they will have to admit they were wrong in order mm -hmm. to, uh, OK, actually, I need help with this. Or they just keep doing what they're doing and living by the reputation of being a great person who is doing whatever they do mm -hmm. so how how can we cross this barrier because i think that's um, a tough one yes and i wish i had a better explanation for this unfortunately i do tend and i'm i have a, i have some thoughts one of which is i tend to be rather too preachy lecturing idealist at times and i haven't worked out how to be more diplomatic and about it often tend i tend to be rather blunt which is a good thing in some occasions but as far as talking to people about who are reluctant in this talking about women and things like this it, it can be difficult um and challenging and it's often something that i try and engage people with but then and then they say something and then i usually just leave it alone because i'm just not going to convince them and it's not it's not gonna it's not gonna work so you do kind of have to walk away from which yeah, yeah. but i think if the per i think i think there's nothing there's no argument with prejudice mm -hmm. you know it's like i um, can't remember what i read somebody asked greta what would she say to trump about global war 
for me and she said nothing <laughs> and it's true because mm. you know he's not gonna go, he's not gonna change his mind and i'm gonna waste mm. my energy mm. so try to but it, it's hard sometimes because you hear you, especially social media you know it's so hard to not respond no you didn't say that and i think sometimes we do have to respond yeah absolutely you have to you can't just leave people to say absurd it's anyway protecting yourself of course because that's the most important thing so um okay let's talk let's try to end in a positive so what do you think let's come up with our own recipe for a solution right shall we uh, let's talk about education then what our ideal your ideal <laughs> system would be because i think we 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 all talk about now 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 but we need to talk about how are we building the future generation isn't Absolutely. it how are we yeah passing the information mm-hmm. yeah so well, i think yeah more women and more male communities of color need to be taught in schools alongside people so instead of having a, a canon of these 50 composers that we all know that are all white men we need to change that and instead of um I don't want to say instead of because everyone will kind of say, oh my God, but you should play Sansa. But Louise Ferronk, she is one of the greatest romantic composers. Clara Schumann is just infinitely cooler than Robert Schumann. I, yeah, just everything about her is amazing. So, plus yeah, she Clara- was raising 15 kids and, and, and grandkids, not forget that. Grandkids, yeah. she was teaching, she had a 50 year concert career. She's the only reason we know about Robert Schumann. And he was not an easy husband, was he? (laughs) No, not in the tightest. So yeah, quite needy, quite needy. Yeah. So (laughs) so we're not going to exclude anybody, but I think uh, you know these pictures should be on on the walls in schools, isn't it? In your music hall, you should have all these these women. Yeah, there. And yes, instead of having a poster of male composers and female composers, have a poster with men and women all together. Um, yeah with of all that would be races. much better yes yeah. um especially taught in grades in grades as well i think that's something that kind of needs to be done and it's not something that i'm good at because i am not a trained composer or teacher or high enough musician to be able to do it but i think we need to partner with people that do know about grading music yeah. and make difficulty so we can say okay Cecile like Cecile Charmard fantastic French composer people um she wrote a lot of graded music for amateur pianists in America so her music would be perfect for graded exams so we need someone to say this is the kind of thing that will work and we need to know so no more needs research needs to be done about that um but yeah more 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 music in grades more education of women sprinkled yeah. in and not just in one women composers class that you get yeah to. i know on post-grad normally though you don't really you don't even get this on under undergraduate it's just like a post-grad mm. module no yeah no i never i never heard of elizabeth mcconkey all the years i was at the royal college of music yeah, it's, believe it. it's a horror right it's like yeah elizabeth mcconkey went there elizabeth lodgian grace williams there were so many brilliant women who went to royal college this it, yeah. it's awful don't um, get us started now no. can you please um tell people where to find your show when is it on 
anyway please yeah so the daft door perspective is on every two weeks on friday although you can stream it basically whenever and wherever you want to uh, they're always available for two weeks it's on mixcloud but all the details are on my website thedaffodilperspective.com and the shows are always posted on there so then there's a nice link to the mixcloud and then you can just listen to it at your leisure whenever you want and there's always a track list so you can see who's being played and and you also get the special stories from elizabeth as well and her lovely sense of humor <laughs> very british <laughs> uh okay it can't be florence bryce Mm -hmm. Can we please finish with your personal tips for somebody who's going to finish this interview and is super curious to hear a few pieces by women composers? What's the... Okay, how many... How many Let's do three, 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 three. Three. Okay, who am I obsessing about right now? Not Florence Price. <laughs> yes, it won't be Florence Price. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. I, can, I know other composers. Um, so, oh my gosh, so many... Yeah, I know. Yeah, this will take. This will take thinking. This will take thinking. <laughs> Contemporary composers. Valerie Coleman is just the greatest wind composer. She writes the most amazing wind music ever. She's a flautist, but she writes really good clarinet stuff as well. Um, uh, she's American. I absolutely love her music. Uh, so yes, uh, Valerie Coleman. Um, I've uh, recently got back into Louise Franck's Sextet for Wind, which is absolutely incredible. Romantic composer, 19th century. She's fantastic as well. Completely brilliant. And uh, Jin Hu Guang. No one knows who she is. Jin Hu Guang. She's a Chinese composer, or was a Chinese composer, wrote a breathtaking symphonic poem called Garda Meilin, which is about a Mongolian folk hero. Oh, I don't know that one. I will listen to that one, definitely. Mm. Yeah, Thank you. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. You stay safe. Thank and hopefully you. we can meet for a famous coffee, which never happened. <laughs> yes, one day. One day it will happen. One day. Yeah. One Thank day. you so much. And people go to the Daffodil Perspective website. Uh, there's tons of music there. Mm. And very, very, uh, you know, well chosen, you know, with so much passion and uh, stay connected. Okay. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. For listeners wanting to learn more about Donne and everything that we do, please visit our website on www.donne-uk.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes to subscribe. And while you're there, it will be great if you could rate and review the show and spread the word on social media. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to being with you in our next episode.